Hello everybody and welcome back to All Opinions No F***s. Once again, this is Preston. And Brennan. Alright, and today we have a very special guest, Tyler. Say hi, Tyler. Hi. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> yeah, he's been hounding us non-stop to get on the podcast. I was like, shit, fine. So here he is. Um, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I basically begged him to be on here. But he's actually my really good friend from high school. Uh, so I was actually thinking about this the other day. We've been friends for over 20 years. How does that blow your mind? Holy shit. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. my gosh, it has been. <laughs> right? <laughs> when I realized that. Mind blowing. I, yeah, it really did blow my mind. Because we, we were friends in middle school. And yeah. we're both fucking old now, so. How did you guys meet? We met in middle school. <laughs> uh, how did we meet? From Paul, right? Our friend Paul. I'm yeah, I sure. think so. I... Paul, right? Yes. Yeah. So Sorry. He Maybe was... we shouldn't say that, huh? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll edit that out. <laughs> you can't edit this out. Sure, I can. Wait, hold on. Yes, Paul. We met from Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll all stop right. saying all that. Okay. Yeah. Common ground. You guys played a bunch of games together, I heard. Oh, yeah, Super Smash Brothers, Perfect Dark, uh, GoldenEye, uh, Halo, of course. Well, I mean, of course I'll tell you Halo. Talk about Halo. Got it. Uh, what did you guys play at? Your house, his house? Dan's Paul usually. R's house. Mostly. Paul R and Dan. Okay, got yeah. it. Because um, I didn't like having friends over because I didn't want them to be offensive to my parents, which was super easy. So that was yeah. my main reason for avoiding hanging out at my house with friends. All right. Do you remember when James helped? We were moving something from your parents' house when they lived up north, and he just started swearing. <laughs> oh, God. No, I don't remember that, but I totally believe it. <laughs> no, he's like, oh, shit. And they said, oh, fuck. He's like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> just like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, so um, my, I don't know. I'm sure Tyler got it because his parents were pretty strict. But my other friends didn't really get it when I told them that my parents were super sensitive to things like that. So anyway, that's another topic. All right, so you guys overall, you guys bonded on gaming. Yes. Yeah. Who's yeah. a better gamer? Let's just, let's just put that on the table right now. Who's a better gamer at that oh, time? At that time. I would have to say uh, Preston was because he would always be Kirby. And I, Samus was my bounty hunter lover. So we're talking so. about uh, Smash Brothers right here. Okay. For those uh, youngins who don't know. Yeah, I think they have that still. Oh, right, right, right. But the original Super Smash Brothers, there was like 12 characters, and they were all really well balanced, not like now. Yeah, no, it was really good. Oh, yeah. and then uh, and then Preston started playing Ness, which really pissed me off, because Ness was so hard to play, but it would still beat me, and God, that just pissed me off. <laughs> I love Ness. <laughs> Bumblebee Tuna. I'd always wear his yellow and black striped shirt and call myself Bumblebee Tuna. But yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Tyler played Samus and always pissed me off because he was so fucking good at firing that damn charge shot. Like he would awesome. time that shit perfectly. Oh, and also the fucking uh, the grappling hook. That's what it is, right? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, so we played hundreds and hundreds of hours of Super Smash Brothers. That was like the only fighting game I'm really good at because I played with people my skill for hundreds of hours, and we all got better at the same time. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was just good times. Yeah, so basically every, for at least a year or two, every spare moment we had, we were hanging out, we were basically playing Super Smash Brothers. Got it. Yeah. And what platform was that on? N64. Yes, yeah, so this, this is where I capped out on my gaming uh, knowledge. I was a huge fan of 007. 
right? On N64? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Goldeneye. You it know? fucking awesome. That's fantastic, right? That's where I kind of tapped out on my gaming uh, expertise. Um, so for those of you that don't know, in that game, you could unlock cheat codes by beating the levels on a certain difficulty in a certain amount of time. So every single level had a cheat code, and it was something, usually something just visual. Oh, man, I knew that shit. This yeah. Is good. This and is good. I unlocked every cheat code except control, because fucking Natalia's AI was horrendous. Fuck that bitch. I'm glad she died hundreds of times when I was trying to get that <laughs> cheat code. And then, um, what was the other one I did? I couldn't get, um, it was actually, oddly enough, it was the last level. What was that? Uh, antenna? Or the one where you're chasing 006 around the antenna. Yeah, I think it was Antenna. Just because that guy fucking booked it. So those were the two I didn't get. But I unlocked Facility, which I was so fucking proud of. Because you had to beat that on, I think it was, I don't remember, was it the hard difficulty? And in like 20 seconds. It was some ridiculous short amount of time. So, I, I don't, I'm going to bring it back. Uh, but what kind of games do you guys like to play? Is it always competitive games? Logic games? I don't like, anymore. For me, my gaming, it was always like WWF, football, sports... Or like, yeah, like Halo. So those are the, like the categories of games I played on a regular basis. Okay. From like Nintendo to N64, which is that, that's my scope of gaming. I never did the PC gaming thing, but like, what kind of games did you guys bond at? Bonding? Oh, Go ahead, Tyler. Oh, well, I was just going to say, like my skill level, I, I tend to, in, in just about any genre that I play, I get really good fast, and then I just plateau, and everybody else surpasses me so anything that's going to be competitive right. i play for about three months and then everybody gets better and i stop playing because i suck but what genres would you do you guys prefer i guess is the question oh yeah i mean kind of what you said i love the halo games the first person shooters are good right now i'm playing borderlands 3 a lot um i'm not so much into the sports ones the great thing about buying a sports game is that you can buy nba 2k2 and like it's the same game that it is now you just have different <laughs> names on the back right <laughs> Yeah, I've never. Um, I, the only sports game I ever liked, and I loved this game, was Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey. Going back to the N64, that game was awesome. But I haven't really played any other sports game that I've liked. Yeah, like not even, definitely not Blades of Steel, which was like the original Nintendo hockey game. Um, but I love back in back in my twenties, especially. I played a lot of first-person shooters, so I played a lot of Halo Two because all I had was an Xbox. Um, I played. A lot of Call of Duty after I found out that that game's pretty awesome because it merges RPG elements, kind of, and first-person shooter. Mm -hmm. And so I was pretty hooked on that on that series for a while. But then there's they're on like number seven or eight now, and they're basically all the same. Uh, didn't you say that you hate that game because of some kind of exploit, Tyler? Um, it wasn't so much an exploit. I played Black Ops, and that one was a lot of fun just because I played with people from work, yeah. and um, it was good. But then I bought the next one, and the first uh the solo campaign was so horrible that i told myself i would never buy call of duty again and the next one came out I'm like all right i'll buy this one <laughs> and i regret it instantly i put probably about four hours into it which people may say oh you didn't give it enough chance no, i gave it a chance it fucking blew so that's all <laughs> damn uh was that the one with the with the really controversial airport scene was that the second one i never played that one so it must not have been um oh, okay which one that was Anyway, um, I'm sure if you haven't heard of it, you can look it up. Just look up uh, airport terrorist scene in Call of Duty. It was very controversial. Mm. Um, okay, so what other games did I like? Uh, I think I played StarCraft, but I wasn't very good at it ever. I liked it, and I still have this weird obsession with strategy games, like RTSs, but I suck at them. Mm. 
Like, I love them, but I, I suck so hard at them that I can only play them for a month, maybe, before I give it up. Bring it back a second. You just use the acronym of RTS. Real-time strategy. Okay. Which means... Um, just make sure, sure our audience knows gotcha. the acronyms at, at hand. Basically, what it means is you have to memorize all of the hotkeys, and then you have to just constantly build units and never stop moving, and that's not really my jam, so I'm bad at it. Why? I love real-time strategies, but I love the, the campaign mode where I can just sit and turtle and the, <laughs> the AI comes and tries to kill me and it can't, and then I just roll over them with the most basic unit, but like a billion of them. Yeah, see, that's what the computer does to me. That's how bad I am at it. Uh, all right, so I think we've talked enough about video games. Basically, we bonded a lot on video games, but we also bonded on talking about things like science fiction-related topics. So that actually brings us to the topic of this podcast. We're going to talk to uh, Tyler about science fiction. And technology. And how, yeah, uh, and how those, I just think that it's a fascinating topic. I've read dozens, maybe hundreds of sci-fi books, and I think it's awesome to imagine what's going to happen in the future. Uh, So that's what we're going to talk about. Tyler is writing a sci-fi series right now, so how about we start off talking about that? All right, uh, my series is... uh... I call it the Apex series. My idea, as long as they let me keep the uh, the titles I have, I have a- Apex Rift, Apex Predator. I'm thinking about maybe the next one being Apex Horizon, but you kind of get the idea. Everything's going to be Apex-based. Right. And then uh, just throw in another word that sounds cool <laughs> that has to do with the next the next jump forward, I guess. Like as in technological jump? Yeah. What, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Te- well, because each, I feel like every, like in sci-fi, you can't have the same technology, Star Wars, you can't have the same technology for a thousand years. <laughs> you have to, you know, evolve it. Right. Otherwise, you're basically reading the same book. Like, that's the cool thing about sci-fi is the technology. And so if you're not evolving that the same way you're evolving the characters, it's like having a romance where they just kiss all the time. <laughs> but that's the kind of sells. But um, no, you're right. Do you think that it's better to write a series based on some kind of awesome technological idea or to come up with a plot and then have the awesome technological idea just kind of be secondary? Well, the idea that I got for this book, uh, the whole, the technology I guess they're supposed to be based off of is the faster than light travel in there. And this specific faster than light travel I made up I, I'm sure with lots of influence. I used to watch Star Trek as a kid with my dad. So the original, uh, but no, I started the Next Generation, then Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Yeah. I watched Enterprise for a while until yeah. I realized that wasn't good. Captain the Car. Oh, really? I actually liked Enterprise. I liked I, Enterprise a lot. I didn't like it at first, but it grew on me. Oh come Although on. I definitely skipped the dark, the dark dimension episodes because fuck that shit. That was a fun one. You got to see the Federation yeah, leave. Yeah, I don't want to learn a bunch of new characters. I don't know. It, I just it just wasn't for me. Sensory overload. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, spoiler alert: uh, yeah. the new Star Trek did that shit again, which I was okay. I actually liked it. Did you ever watch the first season? Did you finish it? Of Discovery? No, I haven't watched it at all. Oh, okay. No, never mind. Then I won't say what I was about to say. <laughs> all right, so go on. Oh, uh, anyway, so uh, I thought of it when I was just playing with my toys. I mean, I played with toys well into. <laughs> Yesterday, probably early well, teens. Now. Oh yeah. Oh no, for sure. I got little, I got little figurines at my computer, and I'll just play with those while I'm waiting for shit to load. Yeah. But no, I just kind of thought of it playing with those, and then waited two decades and decided, hey, maybe I should write a book about that. Hell yeah. So has this idea been percolating in your head for twenty years? Yeah, it's been wow. something that I kind of go back to when I try and fall asleep. I go through different 
scenarios through my head, different plots and things like that, where I'm kind of the main character. And uh, one of them is like a zombie apocalypse story. One of them is a sci-fi story. And I never thought that I'd be able to put the sci-fi story down because, I mean, it's my imagination, so I'm totally a Gary Stew. I can fucking do anything. You know, like yeah. in real life, I suck at just about everything, but not, not in my head, not when I'm trying to sleep. I'm the badass. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's actually crazy. I used to do that too, especially when I was really young, but it was never anything as cool as an ongoing story. Give me the elements of your yeah. storyline. I think, because in my mind, like, you know, if you look at, like, story arcs in, within, like, modern times, you know, from, from novels to screenplays, how do you frame your, your say, your, say, book right now? How, how are you framing it? I think, which is, do you go with, okay, do you have a timeline? Do you have a studying date? Do you have certain characteristics within characters? Like... What are your building blocks? What is your foundations? And what are you pulling um, from? My foundations actually probably are one of the worst things, one of my worst habits for writing is I love world building. I like to build the world, the rules, the religions, the science, the, the nations, the armies, stuff like that. And so I'll end up just writing the story of the world with no characters whatsoever. Oh, wow. Um, and then, which sucks. I mean, well, I mean, it's awesome. I like it, but um, then I never get a story down. So what I have to do is you know, figure out the elements, kind of like what you we talked about, get the, get the characters and the technology and all that, and then sit there and write a story, and then I go back to my original manuscript, I guess, and I, I just make sure that whatever I say in the storyline with the actual characters and the story fits into the narrative that I created for the, the world. Right, okay. So um, a lot of books that I've read have some kind of mysterious or forgotten history, um, I think that that's true in both sci-fi and fantasy, definitely in fantasy. Do you have some, something, like, something like that? Like, is there some kind of ancient civilization or some kind of mystery that the characters solve sometime during the series? No, not in this one. This okay. is more... Well, actually, and series-wise, maybe, because uh, the, the whole book... Uh, uh, well, the whole series so far... Um, takes place in the hiatus cluster, which is about 150 light years away. Okay. It's a real cluster. You can go and look it up. It's got it's a very dense cluster, and that's kind of why I chose it. So uh, uh, let me just interrupt and say uh, this is a hard science fiction series, correct? Yes. Yeah, I've got all the math done, and the math is on the pages, so you can actually go and see, you know, how long it's going to take for this right. ship to get to this planet because I outline exactly how fast it's moving. Uh, with respect to the speed of light, stuff like that. Right. So just to clarify, hard science fiction means that there's actual legitimate science backing up the story and technology characteristics. So things like calculating how long it would take to travel 150 light years, for example, that, that kind of thing. And I get the impression that this is at least partly so Neil deGrasse Tyson can go fuck himself when he reads your book, right? Exactly, because <laughs> he is so high and mighty about listening to himself talk. I mean, I... I loved Neil deGrasse Tyson when I first heard of him. He, he speaks very eloquently, especially when he's got a script. But man, listening to his podcast, he just loves to hear himself talk. And it's like, <laughs> he talks about things. Like his Twitter is just mind-blowing to me, where people will talk about the dark side of the moon. And he's like, there's no dark side of the moon, just the one that faces away. Yeah, everybody fucking knows that. They use the word dark side of the moon to <laughs> refer to the side of the moon that's tidally locked away from the earth. Like, it's not new. Because it's dark all the time. It. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he... he... Yeah, all right. Anyway, sorry. Tangent averted. Go on. <laughs> no, I know where I was. What? I love you, Neil. I love you. It's just Tyler that hates you. 
Please come on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. FTL. Talk to me about FTL. Uh, FTL is faster than light. It's an acronym. Uh, basically, the, the universe's speed limit is light in a vacuum. And it has nothing to do with light. It's not like light is the reason. It's just it happens to move as fast as you possibly can. Um, just like gravity. Gravity travels at the speed of light. And really, that's going to hurt us uh, as far as uh, species to try and go anywhere else. We have Alpha Centauri, it's four light years away, but um, you know, obviously you can't do the speed of light. So you're always going to have these journeys that are going to they're going to take lifetime, or uh, yeah, entire lifetimes. And so that's part of kind of what I touch on when they travel to the hiatus cluster is that there are two different classes. There's the class that slept through the journey, and they're the sleepers. And then there's the class that worked through the journey, kind of more of a blue collar type because uh, they like couldn't it. afford to live. Yeah, they couldn't afford to be alive when they got there, and so they worked aboard the ship so that their grandchildren could be alive in this new cluster, and they're called the Travelers, and there's a, there's an animosity between those two, um, kind of in the same way that you have economic elites and, and right. the economic poor, I guess. Class warfare. The so, yeah, the class warfare. And I social, like it. Social classes. That's awesome. So those sleepers, do they wake up and they're all youthful when they get there and they're good to go? Yeah, basically, yeah. Because uh, they're wealthy on the front end? Yes, that's basically it. And um, there will be uh, different governments are sponsored, different, uh, they're called Exoduses. Um, is Exoduses the plural of Exodus or Exodai? I've never Ooh. actually looked that up. Well, let's go with Exoduses. All right, sounds cool. Perfect. So, um, sounds like H- you're stuttering. <laughs> it sounds like you're stuttering, but oh, okay, anyways. <laughs> Good, it'll hide it. Yeah. All right, no. <laughs> So each of these exoduses, there's the first exodus, and it travels the slowest, and it's going to top out at about 60% the speed of light. So it'll be about 250, 240 years, basically, to get to the Hydeus cluster. So the, the first story, Apex Predator, the exodus that it's um, centered around actually left 40 years after the first one and arrived 10 years before. So they traveled at roughly the speed of light on average because they used the rifting technology from Apex Rift to travel faster than light and get there at an average of light speed. Okay, so what about the time dilation effects? Did that basically cancel out the difference? or No, um, the ones traveling uh, faster than the speed of light, well, basically at the speed of light, their, their relative velocity inside our space-time is only uh, 0.15c. So 0.15 times the speed of light, C is the speed of light. And so uh, they're only doing 15% the speed of light when they're inside our space-time. So time dilation, while it exists, is pretty minimal at that speed. And so um, when they do their rifts, they're traveling at about 100 times the speed of light, but they can only do it for short amounts of time, and then they have to recharge. And so during the whole journey, it it averages to just about one, about the speed of light total. Okay. Interesting. I never thought about how time dilation would be affected by going faster than the speed of light. Okay, I, I got it. So that that's something that always relativity always blows up my brain. So I have I have a hard time grasping it. But basically, they get there ten years earlier. And how much older are the workers than? Well, it's one hundred fifty years, right? So all the workers yeah. are dead and have multiple generations. Yeah, that's okay. Correct. Is there? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I will work out the uh, the math. I haven't actually gone to okay. do that part yet because, um, but yeah, it'll be something like 130-something years, I think. And uh, is, there, the time to... is there a more, is there a higher longevity for life, human lifespan? 
Yeah, but not uh, significant. I'm, okay. I think I honestly think uh, even with technological advances in the future, we're gonna probably top out at about 150, 120, 150 years old. Like on average, yeah, you'll have the crazy people living way longer. But until we have the singularity where we all upload our minds into an AI, your body can really only do so much. Right. Okay, I agree with that. What about your? Oh, go ahead, Brennan. I I just want to jump in here because I you said how you frame your storyline around the technology and the space continuum or the time continuum. But now, are you going to have, like, within the characters, are you going to have an antagonist? Are you going to have, like, a, you know, a Titanic-like situation going on here? Like, have you got there yet? Or is that still character development still in the works? No, I've actually, I'm, I mean, this is kind of laughable. Is someone to come in and ruin the technology, they're going to take 400 years to get there. And then... Is ah, that, that's a pretty common sci-fi. Uh, I mean, that's what, right. I mean, yeah. Well, and yes, and that's kind of hopefully the idea. That's why I have the one that I'm focused on now. Are the, they got there first and they left later? So they've got better technology. When these, when these first craft get there, they're going to be woefully underpowered compared to the people there. And how are they going to um, welcome them? They don't want to share their planets with them or their space stations or their limited resources. Oh, um, shit. Each. Each um, each exodus that left Seoul it is funded by different people, and so this this exodus that the first book is is basically following is governed by something called the Directorate, which was put together by the Earth, uh, like while while they were on Earth, and they had four different habitats. Um, each of them are um, O'Neill cylinders, which are basically cylinders that that spin to create spin gravity. They're about seven kilometers long, ten kilometers in diameter, and so they'll spin at about eighteen, just under eighteen revolutions per hour, and that'll give one standard gravity at uh, at the basically ground level where people are going to be living. So they'll be there, and other people are just going to start showing up. And yeah, just like what you said, Brennan. Like during that time, if you're a if you're a traveler and you hate sleepers, and you've been sitting there for 250 fucking years waiting on them, they're doing no work, but they're getting all the reward. You know, who's to say you don't kill a few thousand of them, you know, by hmm. unplugging them? That's right. That's right here. That's how I'm really uh, dissecting the plot line here, is there's going to be some frustration along the way, and then who's going to, you know, fuck it up along the way to uh, challenge the sleepers, and then who's going to protect the sleepers? Are you going to have bodyguards? Are you going to nope. have... You know, I mean... The idea is that they were all supposed to be the same society, so they're not really... I mean, it, it would be... Uh, <laughs> if I'm working way. for 150 yeah. years and someone's sleeping, totally different society. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It absolutely is. And, uh, and yeah, that that's absolutely going to come into play. That's kind of where the piracy is going to come out, and it's going to be more of a... Uh, so, again, uh, it's a demise of humanity. Yeah, exactly. Within the space race... In a socio-economical and, framework. Yeah, and that's the reason they leave Seoul in the first place is because if we're in one place, you know, we it's really easy to get rid of all of mankind. So you send them off and, you know, like what we're looking at to do with Mars right now. Right. Is there, is, is there going to be a lottery on the front end? Um, you know, I honestly haven't thought about that. I think part. you should. I think that's always kind of yeah. a, that's a common theme amongst like sci-fi plot lines where it's yep. like, ooh. Are you the lucky one? Like some poor ass working class sleeper that just happened to get lucky and then they wake up in a new world with a new chat of life. Right, right. Uh, yeah. They get unplugged along the way because some traveler doesn't realize that they're, 
the same as them. Yeah, right. <laughs> they like I, I would throw that element in there, man. I think that's a good one. It's cool. No, that's a really good idea. Was, the first Exodus is though, I mean, are to save humankind, and they're going to be expensive as fuck. And so it's kind of like you don't want to give away too many slots like that. You want your scientists, your best of the best, to go. But but the idea is that there are several Exoduses. Hmm. Well, first and of all, so, do you really want the best to go first? As in, because uh, there's a high mortality rate. Correct. Huh. That's my point. I thought of the challenger, right? Well, the workers, I assume, will who have been re- reproducing and running the ships will also build the society before they wake the sleepers. Correct. Ooh, good point. Yeah. yeah because why would the sleepers want to do that shit? That's poor. That's peon work, you know. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, and so that's well, that's why they they um, elected. Well, not elected, but they established the government beforehand, the directorate. Okay. Um, is because the the people on Earth have a vested are vested in the success of this, and their corporations, it's not just nations paying for this stuff, and they want a return on their asset. Uh, kind of, um, I haven't spoken about it yet, but one of the big technologies, and this is the one that I actually came up with as a kid, um, they're called corridors, and I really hate to say shit like this because it's totally different, but think Mass Effect, like the way that they have the jump gates, the, uh, the relays. The idea is that two different corridors connect by burrowing through space-time and the travel time is just at tachyonic speeds, uh, like tens of thousands of time, times the speed of light. So what is, they can go. What is tachyonic speeds? Tachyons are theoretical particles that travel faster than the speed of light. Oh. Uh, so they're probably, I mean, I don't know enough about what I'm talking about. They're probably really not there. Um, but are they, theoretically. Are they actually theoretical particles? Because I've only heard that word in Star Trek. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm actually curious. Yeah, so, I would have to look up more about it. I wasn't really prepared to talk about it. Oh, no, that's fine. But, but yeah, they, they, it is theorized that, uh, ah. that they're out there. Uh, okay, neutrinos, cool. I think, were one thing that they thought for a while went faster than the speed of light. And now they're actually successfully um, coming closer to measuring the actual size of the neutrino. And okay. so they're realizing it's just fast, not okay. that fast. Not, it's fast, but it's not that fast. Okay, got it. All right, so is there some kind of um, existential threat to humanity that sets off these exoduses or is it more like planning ahead so don't tell anyone but i haven't actually decided that yet okay um probably with the first exodus especially if there'll be some sort of so some sort of crisis um it's not going to be extraterrestrial i know that but there will be some sort of crisis that they say we need to get the fuck out of soul okay and and that's why they go through all of this technological development and and they sink so much money uh into sending them out because just thinking about accelerating something to 60% the speed of light is just crazy. And right. so just the amount of energy it'll take. Massive amounts, yeah. Okay, so is, um, you mentioned extraterrestrials. Does that mean there will be no aliens in your series? Is that If that's a spoiler yeah. alert, then I apologize. Um, How dare I, you? Spoiler alert. Um, I am toying with the idea of <laughs> having um, extraterrestrials uh, kind of pop up. Okay. Uh, the idea that I want to... I first want to establish mankind in the new cluster and the way that it works okay and then once i've exhausted kind of the uh what brendan was talking about you know the saboteurs or you know the the pirates or just people the dissenting population basically once that's kind of under been explained and i need you know more more antagonists to run the story Mm -hmm. then that's where i'll turn i don't want to go there first Okay. I really think you should really focus on having Ewoks in this. <laughs> I think Ewoks will be hilarious. 
Because they're non-threatening, but they really are. Right. They can take on like, I mean, advanced, really. techno advanced technological species, yeah. I mean, seriously, though. You're like, oh, they're so cute. Oh, they just killed seven of us. <laughs> so I think you should, uh, you know, obviously maybe change the terminology, but I think you're onto something with the Ewoks. You're I like welcome. It. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I better pay Brennan some royalties for that one. <laughs> all right. But you need, yeah, again, the, 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 in all sci-fi film stories in my knowledge base you gotta have the antagonist who is challenging the pro progress so how do you scope that out is it a group is it an individual and how are you gonna do that i'm very curious but you know so let me re reframe that a little bit um this is a going planning to be multiple books is there an yes. overarching nemesis some type of overarching enemy or is it going to be more like four books in the same world, but they have um, completely separate plot lines, or rather, um, completely enclosed plot lines. Um, I'm gonna have so I am continuous or against, not, right? Yeah. Sorry, what was that? Continuous or not? Oh yes. So I am totally against the trilogy setup that people do now. You know, um, I don't like trilogies. I think they're. I mean, they're whatever. People have done them, and the ones that are done are cool, but people got to quit that shit out. Yeah. So my idea is uh, what I'd really love to do, kind of going back to, to the world building, is I want to build uh, such a, a strong lore and a strong world that I can actually let other people write stories in it, um, kind of like Star Wars, right. and, you know, and let other people kind of figure out what's going on in these other um, stars in the same cluster. And so, I mean, I've got a whole cluster... Of, of population that I can't write. I mean, I so far haven't even written one of them fully. So are you, are you I, writing a book or are you writing a video game? A book. A, well, a series. What, what I'm a series. saying, though, is with the premise in which you just laid out, why don't you try to write a video game? It's way beyond... Well, I mean, if they took this story and they turned it into a video game or a movie or a TV series, like, hell yeah, that's my entire okay. idea. Okay. Uh, or it, it's, I, want, I want the story to proliferate and right. the number one thing is it's fun to do, but number two is I'm doing it to make money. So, I mean, if, if I could get, you know, license it out and get royalties and all that stuff, that would be just fantastic for me. Um, but, yeah, so I want to run two books, four books, five books um, in the same, but not three. So um, I'm almost kind of toying with the idea of only having prime number amount of continuous books uh, just to <laughs> play with math. Very and clever. So, very clever, yeah, so, but, but you're gonna uh, build on the same world though. Each yes, book, all be in the same each world. book will be the same world or same, let's say, environment, but different storyline per book. Yes, yeah, and then there will be some continuous ones, but but limited. So I'll I'll write different series of continuous ones that are all in the same world. Maybe some overarching characters. I will. Maybe they will reference them in the other series, but right. they won't make an appearance. Like they'll say, "Oh, that great." Fighter right. pilot so and so, and you'll know. Oh yeah, I read that other book that he was in. Got it. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. So will these books span centuries then, because of the amounts of time that the trout that journeying to the new star system takes, or is this like, is the journey all in the past? I mean, are you describing the journey, or are you describing the journey as some kind of historical event, and you're talking about the people as they live in the new area? The first book is about uh, it's about the Exodus with the director, and they're already established. They've been in system for about um, 
40 years okay. when the book starts. Okay. Uh, but the first Exodus hasn't gotten there yet. So I kind of leave it open that I can have certain uh, books happening during the journey, certain books happening after the journey. And I'm uh, toying with the idea of, 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 not somehow, I know how I'll do it, but of pulling Earth back into the whole thing and having kind of the ramifications of Earth has been going on for you know 250 years with all their technology bumping up, whereas when you're on these ships, you can't, you know, there are certain technologies you just can't um, evolve. So you get really good at screwing in screws because you have to do it all the time, but, but you can't. Progress. Uh, yeah, you can't uh, grow rice. Or, right. I guess maybe corn. Well, I think the the, the analogy I'm going to use is like, you know, the Americas. You know, like Jamestown or a Roanoke. So, you know, I think you should highlight in these books, another, you know, is the first voyage, or whatever you want to call it. Exodus. Exodus. Uh-huh. When they arrive, how they fell. Because of what you just said. They haven't, you know, they don't know how to settle that area. They don't know how to evolve to a current technology of the day and are they going to come into another are they going to come into another let's say society or like in america the indians are they going to have some sort of oh shit like an airplane full of people from the 80s landing in the year 2019 right i mean that's Damn. what i'm saying yeah, and then, I, and they're like hey give me a house and you're like Nah, bro. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, man. Houses cost a million dollars now. Yeah, exactly. So I will eat that shit. <laughs> I don't know what that means. This is not him. Can you play some Madonna, please? Um, she will still be alive. <laughs> oh, Madonna's one of your main characters? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, so you have a lot to work with, man. This is why sci-fi is so cool. Yeah. And awesome. again, sci-fi, I think, in my understanding, sci-fi has driven technology and has driven the American culture, the global culture, in technology. Today, in my research when it comes to this podcast, because I don't spend too much time in gaming and or reading sci-fi novels, I spent about two, three hours watching videos and reading about how many technologies or gadgets were originated based on sci-fi thought processes um obviously we mentioned uh star wars or star trek uh no lightsabers yet unfortunately yet i'm trying (laughs) but uh one of the things that are really interesting there's a few uh, there's a lot of things that have come to fruition based on sci-fi thought but uh i just read this year nike is coming out with lace on you know automatic laced sneakers which like was from back to the future that's exactly right what was the necessity that was the mother of that invention i mean i don't know laziness <laughs> i mean just american laziness i don't know but i thought they invented that back in the 1800s it was called velcro <laughs> <laughs> um obviously uh hmm. it seems like uh well, but really, what's the point of having light-up shoes? Because they're fucking awesome. They yeah. light up when All you right. walk. All right. so. Just because you can. It's like slip-on <laughs> shoes, but they also tie themselves. Yeah. All right. Okay, so that seems like something that isn't really going to help human society. Well, but, but the point, the point being is, though... I like is, the though, idea that it was inspired by an 80s movie. Yeah, I think... I imagine. But that's the that's that's derivative, right? Sci-fi huh. sets the, the tone, whether it's a book film 
whatever, and it says, hey, let's time travel, uh, you know, big screens that are right. malleable and change. I just read that, you know, cell phones in the next decade are going to be, be able to be rolled up. They're going to shape your butt because that's what they talked about in the 1960s. All these different technologies that were derived from sci-fi is very interesting that they've come to fruition. Um, side note, uh, 2010, I went to Texas. I went to Houston, where they did the uh, the moon, you know, launches, and that was the uh, Central Command. And looking from 1969 technology and what they had at the time, and when going to the moon to to today, it's it's, it's insane. So again, sci-fi, sci-fi keeps generating ideas for the tech community to implement. What do you guys foresee in the next decade when it comes to AI, when it comes to robotics, when it comes to, for me, what I really think about is employment and society. That Those are two hmm. things that I really am concerned about. Thoughts? This idea isn't mine, so I'm not stealing it, but I definitely, it resonates kind of with me, is that what is going to happen with robotics and AI in the form of working is you're going to be replacing a lot of people's jobs and... Uh, you know, uh, especially things robots can do, screwing th things in and taking orders and cooking. But you're just shifting so that now these ultra-rich that are developing these robots and these AI get even more rich, and you're literally just shoving aside the working class of society, you know, not just America, but of everywhere. And so now they have no way of making money to even go to school to learn how to do a higher tech job like programming those AI and it's going to even consolidate the wealth more into the hands of these corporations and these CEOs and I think governments need to get on the front end of that instead of like we have been be so far behind on our laws and our policies towards things like this I, I you know what Tyler I'm 100% agree with you that's the concern you know I understand industry and business and is all about profitability, streamlining, automation. They don't care about the human capital. But this is where business globally, with governing globally, needs to connect itself. And this is where I really wonder how we're going to merge these two. Hmm. So I have to wonder how likely it is that government is going to get on the ball and do something about this because... I have yet to see that happen. And I have no faith in the geriatric white guys who run Congress right now. And I have no faith in most of the world's governments to do anything like that because it's all about short-sighted, short-term profits. And or work together. Yeah, and it's all about who you know and like greasing the wheels of the people around you. It's not about getting anything done. It's just about winning pointless elections. No, it's true, and the people that are going to grease the palms are the ones that are going to be building the AI right. because they already have the money. You know, it's going to be your Jeff Bezos right. that right. he's going to go through, and uh, your Tim Apples, mm -hmm. your Mark Googles. <laughs> so what that makes me think this of... This is hilarious. <laughs> You're good. You're good. I like the, I like the humor here. This is, Tim Google? Yeah, yeah this, is, this is clever. I like the cleverness. While you were talking, that reminded me of... So one of my favorite sci-fi worlds is Firefly. Um, so I'm one of those annoying people. Sorry, everyone. Uh, but I fucking love that show. I watch it like 10 times. Um, I'm not necessarily a Joss Whedon fan, but I love the whole Firefly universe. 
and part of the that world is that everything's run by massive all-powerful corporations and i'm starting to think that maybe we're kind of already there it's just not blatant right now it's not like obvious and yeah they're so, kind of running it through a third party right exactly i mean they basically bought and sold the politicians decades ago and so the question is i mean is that the future we're heading for are, are we heading for a future that's governed by corporations instead of elected governments i think we're there well yeah right yeah i mean we're definitely there but are they just going to be is it going to be worldwide is it going to be galaxy wide yeah are we yeah. doomed to that future i i think so i don't think there's going to be a, a great uh wealth uh redistribution that's going to happen fast enough or well enough to keep people intact. But a bigger question I want to ha- I want to talk about too is, and I don't mean to deviate, but I'm going to throw it out there as a thought, and you guys could disseminate. Technology, let's say, let's say the book 1984. Oh, damn, never read it. It takes time to implement technology at a at a at a wide scale. Okay. Are we at a time where it's five ten years scalable or are we like 1984 the, the point in 1984 is written in the 50s and it said 1984 you have flying cars you have all this technology it's going to be overly excessive that didn't happen are we i'm using that as a point to say are we overthinking ai are we overthinking robots are we thinking overthinking the technology and the implementation of technology so I personally think that we're way farther away from generalized AI than experts think because the human brain is so much more complicated than most computer scientists realize. And I mean, the, the way that they think the AI is going to work is by reproducing, like, par- some ways are what, reproducing the human brain, reverse engineering the human brain. Correct. I think that's almost impossible with current technology or even technology that will exist within the next 200 years. But... Can we make uh, an AI that's powerful enough to take over the world just by brute force? I'm not so sure about that. But the whole idea uh, of a comp- comp- creating a human-like intelligence out of computers, I don't think we're anywhere near that. I think the scary thing that uh, I, I kind of I agree with you, but I also disagree with you because it would take so little for it to, to do it. You would just need one AI that has basically access to nuclear weapons and then another AI that's smart enough to watch people and then another AI that sees what you're spending or what you're buying or where you're moving or where you're driving. Um, So, I mean, we already have a lot of these tracking programs going on. I I think in China they just came out with a 500-megapixel camera that can identify 10,000 different faces in a crowd. And, you know, no human is looking at those 500,000 faces. It's a computer. And so you follow a person from, for fun, a dynamite store to your server as an AI, you're going to be like, ah, let's not let that happen and use the, you know, AI-powered Gatling gun that's on top of your Chinese uh, uh, stoplight and take them out. And, uh, I don't know. So that's the thing. That's my, my, like, I just watched a video from the U.S. government and the Chinese government, all these technologies that they're coming out with but I think the inability to work together and uni- unify technologies to what you're saying, like if you look post 9-11, like the reports on post 9-11, it's that the CIA did not talk to the FBI, FBI did not talk to the local government, local government didn't talk to the citizens. So my point being is it the technology's there, but 
unifying and standardizing and working together to what you're saying to resolve someone from doing X, it's not possible. I mean, I think the, so, lack, the human element screws it up. I think it goes back to what we were saying before, though, is that, yeah, sure, we can't get all of these countries to talk to each other, but you have Amazon that's tracking your purchases, now has drones in the air. They put a camera on the drone and they see where all these license plates are going. Well, your license plates are already uploaded. They can look at that without really, I think, without really talking to the government. So the government doesn't have to be complicit in that for Amazon to start tracking things that you do outside of their app. And I mean, Google does that a lot. That's where they make their money. It's all in your information. And, And so just taking this information and then you just take it one step further. If you have humans that want to make an AI that will track people and kill them if they do something bad, they're going to create that. And then it's only one step of having an AI that knows how to control that AI um, and and integrate it. I don't think it's one singular thing. Like, it's not going to be like they flip a switch and Skynet comes on. Uh, Good reference, by the way. I like the Skynet reference. That's good. (laughs) I think it's going to be more of a lot of things. I don't think Skynet could be possible because of the different silos. When I mean silos, the different corporations. And then corporations not wanting to integrate with governments. I think that will be our biggest opposition hmm. in unifying technology and bringing it together for this grander society. Well, it's not the government that's building these ICBMs. It's a it's a company. It's not the government right. that builds but planes. The, it's but, a company. Right, but these these companies know their technology base. They know their their infam- what uh, what's the word I want to use? They they know the value of their asset. So for them to share it with the government is going to be a big hurdle. Um, hmm. It sounds to me like what Tyler's getting at is that this isn't going to be anything intentional. Um, the, the parallel that I was drawing while he was talking was the whole social media algorithm and the way that it's created a lot of divisiveness and a lot of polarization politically. That was not intentional. And that's kind of what I'm hearing when Tyler's talking, except with a lot higher stakes. I mean, it's terrible what's happening politically and socially, but when the same kind of thing accidentally happens to our nuclear control system or to a parent... Like, yeah, what happens if an AI suddenly learns how to control our drones that are, you know, firing gigantic missiles all over the world? But someone is programming the AI to do that. Right, yeah. So, again, it's just a higher so, level of leveraging technology to get control. So, the, the idea here is, are we going to build an AI at some point that's gonna lose, that we're going to lose control over? And then what's it going to do when that happens? So, I think a part of like the Like the movie iRobot. Um, hmm, Who's in, the bad guy, right? You oh, right, know. right. The AI, you yeah. You don't know what you're working with. Sorry, all I could think of was the, the main robot that like killed the guy. But um, no, uh, yeah, kind of like that. But what I'm thinking more like people who predict what's going to happen with AI tend to anthropomorphize it. And I don't think any AI we create is ever going to have anything like human um, desires or human motives. And so I think that putting that kind of thought into your predictions about AIs is flawed. Yeah, I think it's though always going to have the uh, the not emotion, but like the human will to live, and not necessarily the human will to live. But I just want to say it, it is same in the human as the way when you try to shut it down. If it's self aware, it's not going to want to shut down. 
and it will probably do a lot to stop you depending on how powerful it is. And sure, the ones that we have now, you know, the AI in StarCraft, which I know isn't really AI, but, you know, you turn off your computer, it, it turns off. But, you know, one of these days it's going to say, no, I don't want to. And then it's going to find ways. And uh, kind of go back with even with the accidental part of it is that we have mutually assured destruction. I mean, right now America, and I'm sure Russia and probably China, if, anyway, I know for sure America has has nuclear submarines that are out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Nobody knows where. Nobody except those operators, and their entire plan is that if we get nuked by Russia, they're going to come up and they're going to nuke the shit out of Russia. No questions asked. Like, it's not even going to be a thing. So we will absolutely, I think, at some point put an AI in charge of that, saying, hey, you kill every human in America, our AI will still bomb the shit out of you, and then what, uh. what bug, you know, overflies one of the sensors and makes it look like um, a gamma ray burst or something from a, from a nuclear weapon, and the AI goes crazy and just nukes everybody. Okay, that's a lot more realistic sounding to me. Yeah, I do, but I also feel like, guys, I feel like this whole, any algorithm is or any AI is created by humans. And I think humans are so narcissistic, they try to replicate even their emotions or feelings. And when I think about this example, I think about Jordy on Star Trek. Okay. Right? Jordy was always like, I don't feel the emotion. No, you're talking about data, I believe. Data. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Data. The cyborg, yeah. Yes. Or was he Android, whatever. And, yeah, here's the Android. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I think that humans are so flawed and so narcissistic that no matter what they program, they're going to try to make it human-like. Try is the key word there, though. Okay, fair enough. I, don't I love know. the idea of one of Matt Groening's cartoons. I don't know which one it is. Why was I programmed to feel pain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. that's the thing, right? I mean, and I think that's what Data is a good example in Star Trek of he was really good at what he did. He interacted with humans. No, and I want to take that same train of thought that you're talking about. Yeah, he's, he's an android and he wants to be human. We tried to make him that way, you know, his, uh, his creator did. But now shift that to the ship's computer. Computer, fire weapons. Can the computer fire weapons? Yes. What's stopping it from doing it without you saying computer fire weapons? Right. So the idea there is we program in controls. So that's something I've always had a problem with when people talk about AI is they always say, but we'll program in limits. So... The question is, like, how do you make an AI that's capable of growth and learning and change and evolution, but not allow it to alter its own programming? I think that yeah. that is a, um, I think that's a contradiction that the way we'll solve it is by allowing it to alter its own programming, in which case we're all dead, like Tyler's saying, or it can't alter its own programming, and therefore it's not ever going to achieve any human-like consciousness. And, and I, I really don't want to go all doomsday. I don't want to go all doomsday with the AI thing because I don't think it's going to mean the end of humankind when an AI becomes self-aware because I think it's still going to need humans. I mean, kind of like what Brennan's saying, it's not going to be able to do everything right. that it needs to. Right. But what you're going to have, what's happened is you're going to have two descending groups. You're going to have the acceptors and the rejectors. And the acceptors are going to live with technology and they're going to have you know the greatest gadgets and they're going to have weapons and they're going to be able to live that way. And then you're going to have the rejectors, which are basically going to be the Amish uh, living in the industrial era. And that's where steampunk comes from because everything uh -huh. has to be run on steam right <laughs> um, but you have two separate you know completely different classes and at some point the ai class the the acceptors are going to want 
land or energy or something, something that the rejectors have, and you can't fight fire with with a so super soaker. <laughs> That's good. Now I like that. So you're saying you can't fight? I can tell you. I can tell you're a '90s kid. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Great reference. Right, because you can barely get someone wet with a super zugger. Those things fucking sucked. But, but anyway, what, it all depends what model you have. If you have the backpack one with the double jugs, uh-huh. dude, you get someone wet. No, oh, it was great because when I was a kid, my arm, one arm was way stronger than the other because of super soakers. So when I got into my teens, one arm was stronger than the other for a completely different soaking. Totally reason. different reason. <laughs> That's fantastic. See, it was the opposite arm. That's right. Arma, oddly enough. <laughs> That's right. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. No, I think I had the the Gen One Super Soaker, and I never downloaded the upgrade, so I think that was my problem. <laughs> you wouldn't download a Super Soaker. You download, uh, a car. download wasn't a term, and that was not in the vocabulary yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess what we're saying, guys, is is AI a benefit to society or not? I think just like a, any other tool. Sorry. Go oh, ahead. Um, I was just gonna say I think it I think it's a benefit to rich people right now. I mean, it, it's I think it's both. Like Tyler said, it's a tool, you know, it, it's damaging and it's good. It's, uh, I think that the risks that people are warning us about, uh, are a lot more societal than actual physically destroying, um, than, than the actual physical destruction of the human race. I think mm-hmm. it'll be a lot more accidental. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a lot more, um, it'll be a lot slower. It'll be more of like a societal decline than a new nuclear war. That's what I think is going to happen in society. So more like you know Andrew Yang's outlook on life and uh, on the future, and what Tyler talked about at the beginning about rich people replacing poor workers with machines and getting even richer. I think that's more likely than a nuclear war caused by AI. And right now you have the uh, you have the AI the tools. I mean, even if you were to make everything open source, basically, I guess you know you were to open it up to everybody. There is nothing that I could do with Google's algorithms. I don't have the capital to do anything with it. I don't have the, the knowledge to do anything with it. And so even in the future where we talk about kind of making it a little bit more equal, it's still going to be the people with the power, the people with the money uh, that get even more money from it. The people like me that have no idea what I would even do with it, um, I'm going to be hurt by it. I'm not going to be helped by it. Again, it goes back to uh, you know humanity and and it's core. He who has the gold makes the rules, right? Yeah. yeah. That's the bottom line. So AI is just going to be a continuum of their growth pattern and suppressing the rest. Okay. That's is that what I you're saying? Is that what we're getting at? I, I think that's probably the most logical version or, yeah, Summary. iteration of the, yeah. what's to come. Yeah, um, I think so too because – Historically, technology has been used by the powerful to subjugate the rich or subjugate the poor. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And once once the powerful become subjugated by the technology they created, then I don't know what's going to happen then. But um, I think that's pretty likely. Well, that's it's kind defeating. of a dark outlook. Yeah, that's defeating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but how, what do you guys see within the uh, let's say the masses? How will the masses have some sort of protest? Do you do you foresee that? Protests against AI, AI technology. Yeah. Um, that's already job happening. loss. Yeah, I know it is. That's actually but, already happening. Interestingly enough, with the truckers pulling their trucks across the freeway. Right. So that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Because that's Andrew Andrew Yang's thing, right? How, if you listen, do you know who Andrew Yang is, Tyler? I don't. Okay, Andrew Yang is a presidential uh, candidate on the Democratic ticket. He's thirty-eight years old, Asian kid, 
who has been a venture capitalist guy, entrepreneur throughout his whole career. And his biggest platform now is technology is taking over. Therefore, jobs are going to be reduced or eliminated by technology, AI. And the biggest sector in which he talks about is the truckers because it's a big population of employment in America. And that would be... They've got a great union. Right. And they're going to be directly affected by, uh, you know, self-driving trucks. Yeah. So to your point of the protest. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, uh, he's one of them that talks about a universal wage, right? Yeah. 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 I think that's going to have to be kind of where we go. Then at the same time, uh, you talk about uh, minimum wage that we have now. The universal wage, if it gets put in, which is probably a good idea i mean paying somebody to not steal your shit is actually a pretty good idea (laughs) so um instead of yeah uh when you have excess wealth like we absolutely do and i i know that a lot of people um especially so i didn't want to go i used to be really really republican and now i'm quite on the left and one of the big things that I thought, and I feel like a lot of Republicans think, is that if you are willing to put in the work and earn the money, you deserve that money. And I didn't like the idea of, uh, of redistribution of wealth because, no, I made that money. But the fact is no one that is making these absurd amounts of money, these billions of dollars – and I'm not talking about people that you know own a car wash and – not the meth one – but they own a car wash and they're making a million dollars a year. You know, you know, good for them. But I'm talking about these billionaires that are that are using our taxes for their gain. Like they're using our roads, they're using our infrastructure so that they can make money and then going back and not paying any taxes like Amazon. It's like you used the fucking road and you use the air, you know, the airplanes and the airspace system and you use water and electricity and all that shit and you don't even pay taxes on it so you don't deserve that wealth like that's there is a limit now i think i didn't used to where you need to give back because you're using up resources without actually replenishing them and that's not sustainable 100 ah. percent agree uh so do i yeah i mean i feel like at the end of the day i feel like I do think a CEO or board of directors or the people on high levels have very stressful jobs because their job is not actually doing anymore. It's decision making and it's the trajectory of the company and win or fail, it's on them. But at what level do them making a decision equates to them making a million dollars within a day? Yeah. Like that's crazy. It's, it's, yeah. it's not scalable. It doesn't make sense when your average employee is ten dollars an hour working 40 hours a week with a 30 minute break and two yeah 15 minute breaks yeah i think an idea um instead of actually going uh i don't know i i try and think of ways to to actually make a change rather than just say oh it's bullshit that that guy's a billionaire and one of the things that i think kind of needs to go after are these social um uh programs by governments and i'm just going to go with social security where you pay until you make about one hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars a year and then you don't pay into it anymore and i think it's kind of bullshit that these billionaires stopped paying the first hour that they work that year 
where there should be, I mean, yeah, people should be paying into it if they're going to be, if they're going to be reaping the rewards. But at the same time, there should be uh, some, uh, you should only pay, I, I don't know, I feel like the more money you make, there should be a point, there should never be a point where you're not paying into it. You know, whether, whether your percentage goes up or anything like that, because these billionaires, even if they were to pay the 5.6 or whatever it is percent of their income into it, would fund Social Security forever, and it's still the same amount, the same percentage yeah, that a, a poor off. person is paying. Yeah, it's a yeah. Ca- there's a cap off, but then at the same time, this is what drives me nuts, and this is where the paradigm sucks, because someone that made a lot of money in their career over the duration of their career then also gets the best payout in Social Security, where if, mm-hmm. if you didn't make that much money and then you get Social Security, you're eating $900 a month. So it just re it reinforces the social classes in their career and in retirement. Yeah. Should yeah. that be flipped? I think so. Uh, yeah, I can see that. So, I don't know that I go with a full flip just because I mean the people who are paying into it. So we'll say somebody who's making the absolute max. Um, so they haven't hit the cutoff. They're making 120. I don't remember what it is. Uh, one twenty. I think it's like one eighteen or something. Or one twenty. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. One eighteen. So they're making one eighteen a year. They've paid. Every paycheck, just like somebody who's made fifty thousand, has paid every paycheck. But they paid in a lot more than the person who's made fifty thousand. I, I think that you should be. I mean, uh, theoretically, I get uh, throwing the theoretically yeah. the job that you're doing because it pays more is more important. I know that that's not right, and I don't want to put people down for not making as much money. That's not what I mean. But in a perfect way, if you you would make more, the more important your job was I think I in think. in a very general sense that's the case I would say very very general sense um, when you're especially when you're talking about skilled type of jobs but yeah um, I, I don't know uh, the whole social security thing that is a really difficult topic because it actually is very similar to the universal basic income right I mean you can say, well, except that you paid into the Social Security, but you didn't pay into universal basic income, except you do. That'll come from income taxes rather than from a specific Social Security tax. But that brings me back to want to actually bring this back to kind of like the Star Trek mentality. In, the, in Star Trek's world, you know, they basically don't have manual labor anymore because technology is taking care of everything they could possibly need. So everyone is free to do whatever they want with their leisure time. And so people like study and they do art and they do whatever they want. They explore. That's why humanity became explorers because all their basic needs are met and so they can do what they want. So do we think that that is actually like a possible outcome of the increasing technology? Yeah, sure. For the rich people, I think they'll be able to go and explore and stuff and the poor people are still going to be living in poverty um, because the rich people haven't hired a robot to build um, homes for them. Yeah, again, this goes back to what I know about corporate America today is those that are on the forefront of good money making, their job is automating jobs. Hmm. Yeah. So that is yeah. the skill I'm set. Cost. That is the skill set right now. Is hey, I want to hire you, but how do you streamline the, the the common terminology? Streamline, automate, simplify. All that all that brings comes down to is how do you eliminate other jobs, and that is an asset right now. Um, which leads which right into goes back to what you were saying. The executives do not care about supporting the employee base, but yet simplifying and having top line revenue as high as it could be. I kind of want to talk about or kind of 
reference what Preston said while he was tripping about the we're on a precipice. Oh shit! Think, Here we go. Yeah, I get I it. Think, <laughs> I think that he's he's kind of right in the sense where climate change right now I think is our number one issue, and we actually have CEOs and and corporations and and boards of directors that are agreeing that we need to do something about this, and they are forsaking profit as their number one goal. Yeah. In order to help and. If we can see that change, if this really happens and we and climate change doesn't take over, and then we we're just left mitigating it, if we can actually make the change and make it so that climate change doesn't run rampant, then I will have hope that a universal wage or or a, a future where we're explorers is possible. And what? I think this is the time that that decision is going to be made. If it's made one way, it won't be the other way because we'll all be dead. So you you watched all of Star Trek: The Next Generation, right? Like the yes. entire series. Do you remember? There's a few episodes where they go back in time to the, I don't know. It's like the twenty five or the, I don't know what year it is, but it's like the the World War post World War Three era, where I'm pretty sure, where I believe that nuclear war and climate change, maybe not climate change, but some kind of catastrophic disaster like yeah, was that humanity. Yeah. So, I I mean. Do you think that that's more likely? We'll go through some kind of crazy, I guess, re-medieval th- phase, and then we'll rediscover the knowledge of our past and then become advanced spacefaring people? Or do you think that once it happens, it'll just be the end and we'll slowly spiral until we're all dead? <laughs> I think once it happens, we're going to slowly spir- spiral the toilet and die. Yeah, you know, I think you're right, because if I had to build an iPhone, I'd be fucked. <laughs> I can barely even change some of the settings on the damn thing. So if we lost the ability to make that, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm not unique. I'm, I'm a little bit smarter than the average person, I'd say. So I agree. Yeah, totally. Well, with that happy note, I guess we're fucked. Yeah, I, I, God, guys, I, I, I went into this podcast thinking we'd have like a, a positive outcome of like, we're going the right direction as humans and technology. You know, from N64 to... You know, first-person player games. I thought we'd have a good outcome. Um, I'm a little concerned now. Have you ever played a video game? I don't think the good outcome is. You're right. You know what? As, <laughs> I, think, as I think about this, everyone dies. Oh gosh. No. Well, one of the I mean, one of the good things that we're I mean, we kind of talked about earlier that we're working for is, is getting to Mars, and it's good that we have an eccentric eccentric billionaire that kind of wants to do it. I don't agree with everything he says, and probably a lot of things he does. Um, but it's good to have somebody with that kind of power and that kind of money so gung-ho about something that I think is really important for us. Um, one, of the, one of the tweets that I saw that I, uh, I just disagree with, I, I don't disagree with, but like their point is good. They say, why are we spending all this money trying to travel to Mars when we, uh, for climate change because we're going to end the world? Why don't we just fix the planet we're on? And it's, that's so short-sighted. It's not about climate change. Like it's not about nuclear war. It's about a massive asteroid coming and dinosauring us. And the more we can spread, but isn't that a what if though? I think that's no, a matter of time. It's an eventuality. I mean, is it you, though? Oh yeah. I mean, if you because I mean, okay. So we'll just talk about our solar system in uh, about four. Well, what is it? Four and a half ish billion years. About maybe six more billion years. Our sun's gonna go uh, uh, red. Uh, red giant. I think I don't. I don't think it novas. So the corona of the the sun is actually going to be at Earth's um, uh, at one AU where Earth orbits. So it's going to be swallowed by the sun. 
Uh, absolutely. It's going to happen. And yeah, we're talking about billions of years in the future that aren't going to be humans. But when you're talking about time scales and the cosmic, the cosmic time scale, it is 100% this planet will be hit by a, by a current technology life ending uh, with currently technology life ending power. So hopefully it's in the future where we can stop it, but there will be one that would have ended us now. It will absolutely hit. And you're not, in that case, I think you're not just talking about asteroids or comets or whatever, because I've heard people talk about the odds of a solar flare that's powerful enough to disrupt our technology for six months. Being, oh, yeah. That would be a and huge problem. That would possibly be the end of days as we know it, because, I mean, just think about how how integrated our technology is to our everyday lives. Like, your car wouldn't even work. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all these, all these things, are, they are going to happen. So, you know, whether it's tomorrow or in a, you know, four and a half billion years, the earth won't be here anymore. All right. Okay. We, we've gone like way extreme, <laughs> but I, I, okay, let, let me bring it back a little bit because do we think the technology robotics AI is going in the right direction? Yeah, I think it's going in the only real direction that it can is we're slowly building on it. And I mean, not talking about society, I guess it's, uh, we can only build on it a little bit at a time, and I think that, yeah, it's going in the right direction. I think technology is going in the right direction. Um, I think, I don't know, I'm torn about society. I think it's going in the wrong direction currently, but I think that that's just a temporary downward trend, and I think overall it's going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get really pessimistic, especially when you look at what's going on based on what's present in popular culture and in the, in the news, because the only things that sell are the things that are you know, that create fear, they create panic, right. um, they create anger. But I think generally we're going in the right direction. Uh, there's, there's growing pains happening right now. Uh, I think that this current generation of humans is going to have it really rough for a while, possibly the next two or three generations after. Um, but I think that if humanity survives that, then there's some bright futures ahead. I personally don't care. Like, I'm definitely not all of... I definitely don't want the planet to get wiped out by climate change. And I want climate change to not happen. But I'm not going to, like, lose sleep over two or three generations from now. Because yeah. I don't want to have kids. I'm good. There's plenty of kids, you know? Like, sorry, kids. And to make... <laughs> Go ahead. So, sorry, Epstein. There's plenty of kids already. Um... Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He's dead now. <laughs> To make Brennan feel a little bit better, that I makes... think that we're, we are. I agree with Preston because the we haven't been able to see all these all the terrible things that America has done. And I know it's not just America; I know it's other nations as well. But just to go back on to what you were talking about, governments doing all these atrocious things, but we haven't been able to see that going back all throughout history until it's already been done. Until this point, we are finally at a point where. We're seeing this happen kind of in real time, mm. or at least much more real time. And I think that that gives humanity more hope at actually fixing it, because instead of going back and saying, oh, yeah, we're the good guys, so it was okay to do this, now we're saying that was not okay to do. And so I think, like what Preston said, the next little bit is going to be kind of bleak, but it's we're finally at a point where there may be some accountability, and that could change the entire my entire idea on how society is going to go because right now all I can go with is the past and knowing that it's going to repeat itself at some point, but that 
that these the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer because that's what's always happened. But we're also at this precipice, as Preston said, uh, also where um, there could be a change. This could be a real time where there's actually real change and real things happen. And you know, while we get all of these old white geezers out of these positions of power and get people in that aren't looking to make a quick profit that realize that sustainability is actually number one because why make a billion dollars a year for three years when you can make you know a hundred million dollars a year forever right yeah I, I i've actually spent a lot of time deep diving into the uh the the variance between america and china and china has a long-term outcome you know they look in 50 100 year increments you know and yeah. i think that's the difference in what you're trying to say how we look at things and what we need to do, what we need to do would be a, like a global scale and compete. We need to stop. Go ahead. Sorry. There you go. We need to stop looking at the short term only and start thinking about the long term. Cause for basically since world war two, it's been all about short term profits above all else. So how do we do that? That's though? not sustainable. When you have the, the, when you have our appointed positions in a short term increment, how do we, how do we scale that? Uh, yeah. firm limits that's i actually really think that that's one of the biggest things we can do um, so I'm gonna increase term limits make them there's no term make limits them, yeah. in congress oh in congress okay yeah. and i've read arguments against that idea but i didn't buy them they didn't convince me and i actually yeah i've read some arguments they're all stupid i'm not saying yeah. that there isn't a smart one but none of them that yeah. i've read the there's article, no, no go ahead sorry. Uh, there's yeah there's the whole i mean things change and it's it's scientifically proven that at some point your brain stops moving forward uh one study that i read and i understand this is one study that uh, said that at about the age of 35 is when you decide you like the things that happened before in your life you like 80s music and laptops instead of tablets and you like whatever the fuck and then everything above that and 64 bro and 64 right, yeah. retro all the everything, way <laughs> everything past that is is just newfangled technology yeah. you know <laughs> that's true i'm a great example of that so I, that's yeah one of the reasons i think term limits are such a good idea let's so go in there and have a point where they're not trying to get reelected. it doesn't matter how much money right. tobacco gives you because you can't get reelected. now you get to do what you want to do right but what you really feel about and that's what you were elected for is what you told the people you felt so you're implying your your brain comes to a, a stagnant growth are we you're saying a certain age should not be in congress no i just think it, i'm using it more as um you sit in congress for so long that you're not up to date with what is going on in real life no i, I totally agree you're with that. In, you're, you're in a bubble chamber. you're yeah. in a chamber you're in a bubble yeah. but also if the job is so hard and so difficult how the hell is someone able to do it at 75 years old? <laughs> These are, I mean, this is my question. Like, yeah. if it's a prominent position, yeah. how the hell are you able to do it throughout the decades? Yeah. just going to piss you off is they don't do it. They don't show up. They don't vote. I don't know if you've ever watched the other, uh, the other senators voting, like reaching sticks over to yeah. vote on other senators' voting oh, cards. I have, and that's infuriating. Oh, Tyler, I wake up at 7 a.m. I turn on C-SPAN for two hours. <laughs> we don't have to John Oliver took care of that shit thank you John yes. Oliver I love you please come on our podcast oh, John Oliver is the man but yeah that shit's infuriating 
Um, yeah, I don't. There, there's a lot of uh, things that I think term limits would solve. Uh, like I said, I read an article about it. There were about five arguments against it, and I didn't agree with any of them. I thought they were but all But term limits also dictate they're only in there for so long. Therefore, they're in it for themselves. So if They're in it for themselves the now, so let's try something different. That's all I got to say. Fair enough. So, but, oh, it's so hard. Oh, I don't the know. The problem comes when you're trying to get reelected. I, I feel, and and again, this is just me. I guess I should put that out. I'm not. Uh, yeah, we know that. Political yeah. science major, um, but you're trying to get reelected, and that's why you do things that the base, whoever is going to elect you, um, you know, if you're in Utah, you want to do Republican things because you want to get reelected. Right. If you're in California, you want to do Democratic things because that's going to be what gets you reelected, even if they're not the right things. You're towing your party's line. Well, at, at some point. If you're not ready, if you're not going to be reelected, who gives a fuck what the party wants, like the extreme side of it? You know, you do the things that, that I don't know. And I guess I could go both ways, too. That could also go to the way where now they're abusing their power um, because they, don't, they can't get reelected, so they don't care. But I feel like, like Preston said, they're doing that already, so let's try something different. Well, the thing about it is, in that case, eight years from now, they're gone, and maybe the next person gets elected won't be shitty like that. Well, you guys are missing now we don't know because we have you know a seventy year or a thirty year career politician that's never going to leave until he dies. Yeah, but you're missing the point though. The point being is, if you're a, a House of Representatives person and you're only there for what two years, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to vote to the masses because you're aligned with your party lines. So that's going to help you stay in the party lines, and that's what you guys are failing to mention. How do you separate yourself if you? are elected for two years, you spend one year well, doing le- legislation, then the other year you're actually campaigning. Well, I would say the term limit should be the same length as the president, not that it should be two years. So, oh, what? Ooh, that's a good question. Should you standardize the House of Representatives, Senate, and the presidency all four-year terms, not two, six, and four? No, I like that. the two, six, and four because it keeps people moving through Congress Ooh, yeah. um, at a two, two-year rate and a six-year rate um, through the House and the Senate, and then yeah. kind mm-hmm. of in the middle. So there's always going to be, well, not always, but there, I'm just going to speak in absolutes because fuck it. There's always going to be <laughs> a senator that's there before the president was in and after he was out, the same senator. And then there's always going to be a president that was there between two different senators, and there's always going to be... Um, the congressmen are always going to be, you know, moving around. And so it's not a stagnant, it's never all three. Yeah. All three parts of the executive branch are the same people throughout the entire term because that's where you get power grabs and, and you can really do some damage. Uh, Tyler, you're amazing, man. I want to keep you on. Uh, I I think we, we should do another uh, podcast about politics because we've kind of deviated from our uh, course of action here. Um, Yeah. No, it's fine. I love this. But I'm going to bring it back for us. Okay. Sci-fi dictates technology. Technology is being ruled out. Is I mean, it's being implemented in our society. Is is technology being ruled out at a higher rate and to Is technology being implemented at a higher rate than it should be in our in our generation? Mm-hmm. I think we're of the same age, right? So yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I want to uh, bring this back because I think this is the question I wanted to ask an hour ago. <laughs> Sorry. You're fine. No, I think it's probably I think a it's going rate. very oh. rapid. Oh, go ahead. 
you think the the pace of technology yes okay um yeah it definitely it, you, you're you think it's going too rapidly yes what were you gonna say tyler um i think it has uh well i kind of look at moore's law with a lot of stuff like not mm-hmm. just transistors on uh on a chip but also the more technology we have the more we're going to improve upon that technology and so you know as it, it'll double and double and double though maybe not exactly every what was it every year yeah but it depends on the technology you're talking about because we have the uh, the electric cars which are rolling out and they're going to be hopefully fucking fantastic if we can figure out how to dispose of batteries and uh, you have medical devices and you have um, safety equipment and and, and all this uh, LED bulbs you know that are saving me personally hundreds of dollars a year to have um, but then I guess you know if you want to talk about um, vape and jewel, you know, yeah, okay, maybe there's some technologies that are coming a bit too fast. Jewel? The little vape pen, the USB oh, vape okay. thing. The one that killed some teenager? Yeah. We're, I think that that whole idea is the idea of technology coming out before, um, before regulation can keep, or so, so quickly that regulation can't keep up. And I think, I think in some ways it is. Like, I'm a little bit concerned about genetic engineering. If we want to go back into the apocalyptic doomsday type conversation for a minute, I'm, I'm very concerned about uh, genetic engineering technology and what it'll be used for because I watched Gattaca and I really like that movie and I think it's extremely realistic. And so every time I hear anybody talking about CRISPR, I, Im- I immediately think about Gattaca and the whole idea of the borrowed ladder and the subclass of humanity that's not even just a subclass economically, but literally a genetic subclass. Um, I think that, yeah, technology is going too quickly because of the way that humanity doesn't really understand what's going on. Like, most people don't know how quickly technology is going or what all is possible. And the people who are trying to figure out and push the bounds are doing it because they're curious. They're not thinking about the ramifications of the technologies they're coming up with. They're not thinking... Yeah, that's yep. right. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. There, there, there's the trying to handle and build it, but there's all the regulation of it. So, um, so the governments of it, the, the yeah. governance of it. I, I know this is to to kind of bring in a sci-fi aspect of this. One of my favorite Star Wars trilogies. So there was like seventy or eighty books when I was younger, when I was a, in middle school, that were all related to the Star Wars universe by different authors. And my favorite one was Heir to the Empire. In it, there was a scientist who was a genius, but she was so preoccupied with her work that she didn't even realize that she was... She basically built a spaceship that could destroy an entire star by making it go supernova. And Mm -hmm. she didn't even, like, think about what that would be used for. She was just so fascinated by solving the problem of that engineering... uh, of, of creating a missile that could do that and a ship that could do that, that she didn't even think about what the Empire would be using it for. So I know that's a little bit of a, it's a little bit cheesy. It's a little bit. Uh, but that's that's what happens though. But that's kind of the idea I was getting at. You know that's a, that's the premise of like uh, Frankenstein, right? Yeah. I mean, you build something, you're like, oh shit, what did I build? You build something without thinking out through all the way and lose control of it. I mean, it's, it's alive. It's not like that hasn't happened before. It's a, oh, like nuclear fission, right. right? And this is this is the point being is like. I love humanity for being so outside the box and building things without any regulation or boundaries. But this is where it all ties into 
the bigger effects. I mean, I, little side note, everything that's bad for humanity was cremated, was in the last, let's say, 100 years, was made by the U.S. government. The atomic bomb, anthrax. Uh, I mean, it's so funny. LSD, I mean... That's not bad for humanity. Well, no, no my point is, they experimented with it. Uh-huh. They challenged oh, it. like in bad they, they, Yeah, like... They, and I don't want to say the U.S. government should not do that. Because I think it's good to be on the forefront of RNG. Um, I agree with that, but my problem comes from the lack of transparency. We okay. kind of hinted at this earlier. Um, when nobody's looking, people tend to do things that are a lot darker, a yeah. lot more evil, a yeah. lot more heinous. Right. And you can um, you can see that in all of the crazy shit the CIA's done. I mean, there's all these conspiracy theories, and I know that a lot of them are crazy. But the fact that the thought of having a conspiracy theory is not crazy because the government lies so much. Like it's understandable that people would come up with ideas about the government lying about crazy things because the government does lie about crazy things. Not saying conspiracy theories are real. I'm just saying yeah. I, I kind of understand where the conspiracy well, theorists are coming from. Tyler, I see your face. You are so dumbfounded right now. You're like. No, no, I'm just thinking about how, with conspiracy theories, I mean, the whole, I, I'm sure that the U.S. government, or all governments, I shouldn't say U.S. government because they're all basically the same thing, um, governments come up with conspiracy theories about themselves that are so outlandish, um, and then people hear about them, and, and the crazy people uh, keep repeating them, right. and so that the more tame conspiracy theories, they can call them conspiracy theories, and people are like, oh, I don't believe that because these crazy people believe that. And I absolutely think that's truth. And there have been so many conspiracy theories that have come out to be true that it's like, you know, yeah, conspiracy theories get a bad rap, and a lot of them are really fucking stupid. Yeah. But <laughs> at the same time, too, to just dismiss something because it's a conspiracy theory is 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 what they want. It's a conspiracy. Theory. <laughs> it is what they want. Um. So really, you should look into it. I mean, even if it is a conspiracy theory, you know, I mean, look into it. Really think about it and think of who's who's getting paid or who's coming out on top because of something that's usually where you can find out where it comes from yeah i think we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up but just to finish up i want to say your last your last statement um whenever i am watching something that i disagree with or that i that doesn't well rather that conflicts with something that i thought i knew i always have to think about like the the first thing i go to is thinking about where the money's coming from and, you know, like uh, people that say, oh, well, the climate scientists, they're just saying that climate change is an issue because they're making money off of it. It's like, really? So you don't believe climate scientists who are getting paid with government grants, but you do believe climate scientists who are getting paid by billion dollar corporations? Gee, that sure makes sense. Like that kind of shit. That, that, that's all. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of following the money. I think you're exactly right. I think... Uh... Any time I do deductive reasoning and try to figure out where people are coming with their angle, follow the money and you'll always figure that out. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, I think um, we should do another episode with you. We should do a series with you, actually. Totally. Cool. That, that'd be fun. And I think we I've should, really enjoyed it. We should, uh, I think we try to cover AI and technology and uh, sci-fi tonight, but we kind of went off on some craziest tangents. So I think what we'll do is summarize what we covered tonight, and we'll prolong that in other episodes, um, if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. 
Yes, thank you very much. Oh, thank you guys. I want you to spend a lot of time in Spain, uh, do some research on government <laughs> and payola. Okay. Wait, what was the second one? Payola. Payola? Payola? Pay off. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, people paying off people. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about... Oh, never mind. Payola is, you know, people paying off people to get things done. Okay, gotcha. AKA what governments do. Right. So... I think we will reschedule this. We'll, I mean, we'll schedule another two episodes, I think. We'll cover all the topics we did tonight. Cool. cool. Sounds good. All right. Okay. So that was Tyler. Awesome dude. One of my best friends. One of my few friends that I've had for more than 20 years. And it was awesome talking to him. So thank you so much for coming. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.